Welcome. I'm Taylor Marsh, and this is Astral Soul Lightning. Springtime is magical for manifestation. It's Easter weekend. Some of you may observe Passover. Perhaps for you, it's Ramadan. Some of you may be atheists or into pagan rituals, or perhaps you follow cosmic changes like full moons and eclipses. There's the celebration of Beltane, which comes halfway between spring equinox and the summer solstice. A quote from Wayne Dyer. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. The story of Easter has obsessed me since my mother took me to church as a child. To understand my own relationship to God or source, however you refer to the great energy, has taken a lifetime. What drove me was how women were depicted in the Bible. Women were constant, the power and the light, but they threatened the legacy of the disciples who wrote minor roles for the women, confused their names. Yet it was women who were more loyal than Peter, more constant than the apostles. They were defamed or their roles at the time of Christ were minimalized or written out because women during antiquity had no role but childbirth. I'm going to read something from the Smithsonian Magazine online uh, by James Carroll, and it was and the title of it is "Who Was Mary Magdalene?" The four Gospels are not eyewitness accounts; they were written 35 to 65 years after Jesus's death, a gelling of separate oral traditions that had taken form in dispersed Christian communities. Jesus died in about the year A.D. 30. The Gospels of Mark, Matthew, and Luke date to about 65 to 85 and have sources and themes in common. The Gospel of John was composed around 90 to 95 and is distinct. So when we read about Mary Magdalene in each of the Gospels, as when we read about Jesus, what we are getting is not history, but memory. Memory shaped by time, by shades of emphasis, and by efforts to make distinctive theological points. Imagine the Middle East at the time of Christ. Now, imagine a different story. A revolutionary had emerged in antiquity. He traveled alone, but wherever he went, crowds gathered to hear him speak of God. Word spread that this rebel was gifted, special, Women throughout the land heard of the man called Jesus, too. One woman is mentioned in the four Gospels as being present at the resurrection. The Gospels were written decades after Christ's death in A.D. 30, and again were not history. They are memories shaded by the Christian communities. The fact that Mary Magdalene was named in scriptures is a bright beam shining from antiquity. She has been my guiding star, a woman of consequence to the revolutionary Jesus. Until recently, Mary of Magdala, named for her home near the Sea of Galilee, was referred to as a whore, meant to demean her stature and her power, which she received from him. Along with several other women, Mary of Magdala aided the work of Jesus, was a close companion to him, perhaps providing funding. Mary Magdalene 
was referred to as an apostle. And I'm sorry, Mary Magdalene was referred to as an apostle in early religious texts. She wanted nothing, nothing from Jesus, unlike Peter and the other disciples who betrayed Christ. Early Christians were illiterate and accepted the stories about Jesus, which came decades after his crucifixion. But why was Mary Magdalene labeled a whore throughout religious history when her role was much greater? Early civilization diminished women's power. In the era of Christ, with the disciples ready to make a name for themselves, Mary Magdalene was a threat. Writing out the importance of the women around Christ, the disciples rewrote history. But even then, they couldn't edit edit out the character of Mary. So they helped confuse her power and that of the women who bore witness. Jesus appeared to Mary upon resurrection, instructing her to tell his disciples he had risen. Energy doesn't disappear. It changes form. Belittling women's place in world history, going back to Christ, is where my journey began. This is where the displacement of women from power begins. It continues into the second decade of the 21st century, with women forbidden to hold authority roles in many organized religions. The story of faith, power, women, and inequality continues today. The biggest goal in my life as a young girl was to get out of Missouri. Experiences early on had taught me it was no place for a liberated female artist to thrive. The men of Missouri and the women who enable them have proven me correct. My, my dream of being on Broadway manifested on the first audition I had in New York City. After a three-and-one-half-hour ha- train ride, competition that topped 1,000 women, and strikes inside the city that made finding housing and getting around the city a nightmare. It was the bad old days, back in the late 1970s, early 80s, The 42nd Street Killer was on the loose. Several years into my life into New York City, after commercials, understudy opportunities, another break opened for me. But I didn't want it. Suddenly, the work I'd spent hours a day preparing for didn't fulfill me. Performing felt foreign. The truth was I had a BFA, but for the first time was faced with a question. What happens now? What was my future? The decision to move across the country to Los Angeles meant I would rely on commercials. My acting trajectory in Los Angeles taught me a lot. Most importantly, that performing was no longer my path. So what was? I journaled my dilemma, as always. Tucked back in my brain, words from a college writing professor wafted up. You're a writer, she'd said. But I couldn't tell the truth because I didn't know it myself. So how could I become a writer? During this entire time, I was struggling to put my past into a flow chart that made sense. It's also where I put the pictures of my life in order and began to tell a larger story of my terrors, fear, and the truth about my life and my family. What freed me was delving into the sexual proclivities and perversions of men to make sense of my father and what happened inside our house. Writing for a living manifested in the classified department of the LA Weekly. 
My title became relationship consultant, but what I did was give advice to women on how to attract men in a personal ad. Success was rapid, although I had to convince women to attract a man of substance, they had to flirt in their ads. <laughs> Long story, but the merger of writing and relationships and sex helped to heal parts of me. It wasn't enough to bring peace. When the internet burst open into e-commerce in the mid-1990s, my first post went online for the LA Weekly. It's at this alternative news weekly back in the early 90s when I began my fascination with the stars and the planets and the ancient discipline of astrology. The World Wide Web sparked hope in me. For years, I was a successful content provider until I walked out of a lucrative editor-in-chief position because the owner bucked my decision to spike an inappropriate column that had no business being published. No job, at least I'd learned code and learned to code HTML and could work at any startup as a content provider. But the dot-com bomb followed by September 11th and the subsequent change in content providing me provide and the uh, subsequent change in content providing put me back on my heels. I had no way to make a living and no one would hire me. I literally couldn't get a minimum wage job with every employer looking at my resume and saying, no. Living in the flats of Beverly Hills was a godsend because I could walk to the store but also to church, which remained my refuge. Now without a car, I'd have to choose one of the local churches within walking distance. One Sunday, I noticed the church I'd chosen had begun service already. At this point, I was so ashamed of my circumstances, the courage to walk into a new church after services had started was too much. So I walked a little further down Little Santa Monica. There was another church on the corner, and they were about to close their doors. I hurried in and found a seat. The Episcopal Church saved my life, starting on this fateful day. At one point, they loaned me $500 to make rent, but it wasn't enough to save the life I'd built. Meditation had become my lifeline since organized religion had failed my philosophical tests throughout my life. Prayer seemed to demand asking a force outside of myself to make the difference, while meditation offered an open portal to experience answers coming through me. The difference between the two became a magic ride. Throughout my life, I've had mystical moments. The psychic moments have, have in, interrupted my trajectory many times. On one desperate day in L.A., in the confines of my apartment, the miracle of my new life began. Whether it's the light of hope or spirit sending a message, my pleas of desperation and demands for answers brought, brought a downloaded response. It wasn't the first time I'd screamed at God. It was over in L.A., and I had to find a way to bail and a place to start over. I couldn't get out of this predicament without significant help. How did this happen to me? It hadn't. I'd made choices that had brought me to this moment, with fated events doing the rest. If, if I could have chosen another path than artist, I would have done so many, many years ago. This is my calling so this was a lesson and an inflection point in my life. 
a different journey than I'd known had begun. I was in the hands of something bigger. Las Vegas, Nevada was where I chose to land, regroup, and figure out what was next. I didn't get there without help, which I've repaid in every way possible. The day I landed in Vegas, it was 116 degrees. Twelve hours after I arrived in my new apartment, a gas technician arrived to turn on the gas. He ended up changing my life and the trajectory of my artistry. We celebrate our 20th anniversary this year. The magic in my life was multiplied, has multiplied since, but it began driven by my own desperation. I had to find answers to my life and answer questions about the faith of my mother that sustained me, although the notion of God and Christianity remained a puzzle. Through this journey, I tapped every guru about success, motivational speakers and advice tapes, trying to discover what I was missing. I had passion, drived, worked harder than anyone else, kept going amid failure, but couldn't pay my own bills. I kept writing. Even though in the early 20th, 21st century, writing was done for free and for exposure. What the hell was I missing? Follow your bliss, Joseph Campbell advised. My bliss had been performing, but wasn't any longer. Writing had become my bliss, but how do I thrive? I knew HTML, so a website became a refuge. I could code if only the bare bones to post articles. Throughout my life, I battled mind-numbing migraines, which I'd faced since childhood. If you look at my life, it's no wonder my mind was screaming. Dropping into politics was second nature to me. Not only was politics big in our family, but I was raised at the inflection point of American culture, where the pill, the church, and feminism collided. When I wrote and produced my one-woman show, Weeping for JFK, more pieces came together as I tried to get to know my siblings, who were much older. In 2008, the book Flow was published. For me, it's the quote-unquote breadcrumb theory. Stay focused on your current task and watch it take you through the day one step at a time. Shortened, now is the only moment. Stress and trauma make for health issues, but it's amazing how long a strong body can ignore flashing signals. I'd been an athlete since my early years. A professional dancer is as extreme as you can get on the fitness scale, trust me. But I couldn't hack my migraines, which in my mid-40s became insane because of the hormone fluctuations. You know, Suze Orman talked about concrete steps a person can take to elevate their life. It's like if you want to lose weight, the first thing you do is throw out the junk, the sugar, and the processed foods. Ms. Orman seemed to have this approach to finance, concrete ways to help yourself. Everything is, was in order. I was disciplined, but I had no money. Today, Anthony Robbins talks about, quote, unleashing the power within, end quote. Years ago, he had a series of tapes I listened to over and over again. I had the power of positive thinking handed down to me from my mother. She turned to Norman Vincent Peale once she began her over 10-year battle with lymphoma. 
She believed in God, went to church, but the Bible wasn't enough anymore, is how I interpreted this change in her reading. Her life taught me our journey in these bodies is not fair, that our choices must outsmart our weak ego. In secret, I'd begun tinkering with psychology, the stars, the planets, and what the greatest minds have said about science, religion, and life. Astrology was the forbidden discipline modern life didn't respect. Why? YouTube unleashed alternative voices, but in 2011, the lid came off the platform. Mystics, astrologers, and New Age thinkers began uploading the most amazing videos with theories to match. The astrological wheel had clues, they said. When you become desperate enough, you'll try anything. So after trying all the accepted paths, I embarked on an alternative way of interpreting life. One question, what did I have to lose? There was also the point of calling. I felt compelled to investigate what these new age thinkers had discovered. I'd begun tracking my migraines and health issues many years earlier. One odd thing stuck out. My migraines happened in childhood out of the blue every day. Now I know why. Severe depression was my teen secret. I still couldn't tell the story of my life. By the time I was in my 40s, I noticed my migraines happened around the full moon. A stargazer from youth, astronomy has always fascinated me. What I never understood is how the moon can cause the tides to ebb and flow, but humans are supposed to be impervious to planetary and astral connections and combustion. Astrology was the earliest system used by man. It's obvious why. A quote from a footnoted PDF on astrology I found online by T. Barton, published in 1994, after excavating innumerable pages over a three-decade period of intense research. Quote, Astrology is a remarkably resilient discipline. At the end of the last century, when the classic study of ancient astrology was written, contemporary astrology looked as if it had permanently disappeared. He was apparently writing, the author was apparently writing the history of a dead superstition. But since then, astrology has enjoyed a renaissance. The vehicle for astrology's phoenix-like resurrection has undoubtedly, undoubtedly been the newspaper horoscope the first publication of a newspaper horoscope in the world, apparently, appeared in the Sunday Express for the birth of Princess Margaret in 1930. Since then, it has not only embedded itself in British popular culture, but has spawned imitators all over the world. End quote. For me, that newspaper horoscope came at the LA Weekly and it was titled Rocky Horoscope. I was fascinated. I was hooked. Asking questions in meditation led me to a different definition of flow. The advice of gurus and self-help individuals I found were missing a crucial element. Timing. 
As sure as my migraines were caused by psychological stress and trauma, they were also compounded by the anatomy of my cosmic tattoo, the birth chart imprinted on our soul at the exact time of birth. The stars, planets, and their trajectory do not cause anything in our lives, but they do highlight our choices and whether what we have chosen is in line with the archetypes imprinted on our soul. There is cosmic timing to follow, but the planets and stars aren't determinative. Humans make choices through free will. (laughs) Listen, I am not an astrologer. My gifts are cosmic for sure, but they are also holy. The messages intuited from my instincts are intellectually translated from an educated base point that has been developed, honed, and articulated in writing through archetypes, downloaded messages from guides, symbols, and astrological stories meant to explain what's happening in our world as well as happening around us. Quote, The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. Albert Einstein. In antiquity, astrology was a science because it was the first structure accepted. The mathematical equations formed a world above humanity that could help explain their life. Medical astrology was utilized for many years. You don't have to be a scientist or an academic to accept the bulk of what we know about early centuries of man comes through Christian history shaping through memory. It's why Darwin's theories of evolution and man in the late 1800s was so threatening to Christians. Astrology faced the same fate once Christianity began to rule across man's world. In 100 AD, Ptolemy, called the most famous scientist of antiquity, changed the trajectory of astrology because he wrote a book on the subject with experts believing the ancient science wouldn't have survived without his writings. It's interesting that many biographies of the Egyptian scientists leave off the fact that he was an astrologer when it was Ptolemy who morphed astronomy and astrology together. What's this to do with my story? It took me decades to piece together a cohesive philosophy for myself, but going back into history makes it clear, which will become apparent as we move forward, and I explain in detail the new path, a different way forward. I've deciphered truths that can apply to us all if we look beyond the traditional philosophy that hasn't worked and isn't working today. Flow indeed begins with concentration on tasks that lead to another and another, a fulfillment of being in the moment, the only life-affirming moment we have that comes one second at a time. But in between tasks, our mind makes trouble for us because we don't understand we are the master of our thoughts, of our mind. Weather brings challenges beyond the power of flow, even if we take one step at a time to break free of what this weather delivers. 
Our mind makes us want more. We have intuitive thoughts, psychic impulses, instincts. Once I realized my, my migraines happened at the full moon, I put myself on watch. How close to the full moon did I get clues a migraine was coming? Unfortunately, my migraines came out of the blue most of the time, but at least I now had a road map, a timing map. Also had ways to prepare. More meditation around the full moon helped, even if nothing stopped them. Oh, the stressors of my artist life continued to take a toll, and I still couldn't tell the story of my own family. It wasn't until a few years ago when all the pieces collided. Faith and religion had been the, sitter, the center of my younger life, but once I left performing, a larger canvas emerged. The calling I felt from youth was that of philosopher, to find answers, investigate, and create a thesis for life. In the 1990s, I came upon an astrologer who introduced her audience on basic cable to an event called Moon Void of Course. So we're just going to dig in and start here. Since I had health issues around the full moon, I decided to investigate Moon Void of Course, a period to avoid big decisions, important launches, and anything else new that matters, at least in my experimentation. Before the moon is about to change signs, moon void occurs. I've been utilizing moon void, of course, for a very long time. Uh, it made sense since the moon seemed to have a pull on my health. Search Google if you're interested. I'm, I'm not an astrologer, so others can explain it much better. More interesting for you, uh, I suggest you go back into your 2021 calendar and see what plans you made that failed or projects that didn't deliver what you thought they might. What day was, was the project launched? What about a meeting with someone you were interested in that didn't pan out? What was the cosmic weather at that time? Was the moon void? This is the start of what all creators need before embarking on a venture. It's not enough to believe in yourself. Timing is critical. So where to start? I suggest with the moon. New moon to full moon. Investiga investigate moon void, but get in sync with your moon energy, whatever it is. Your emotions hold a key. This is the part of, of flow if you talk about. Energy shifts with the season, but it also changes with the planets and stars from one season to another. The moon moves the earth. The moon has pull over the oceans. The moon is but one part of getting into flow, finding your bliss, tapping your innate power, authentic creativity. Astrology and spirituality and faith are compatible. It's impossible for me to accept that source energy and God created the oceans that are impacted by the moon, but humans are to ignore how we are impacted by the same forces. In the 21st century, religious institutions have proved unworthy of Christ's legacy. 
As I proved in last week's podcast, the moral authority we've been forced to accept is a lie. As sure as the lies were told about Mary's importance to Jesus' resurrection and life, the truth about how the planets and stars impact our life in these bodies has been removed from serious discussions because imagination has been replaced by doctrine. From the earliest days after Christ's death, the mythology of his life was recrafted and molded to make the legacy of his disciples as important as his own life. While impugning the integrity of the women around the revolutionary Jesus with the most important person in his life, Mary Magdalene, defamed. Astrology and spirituality are meant to engage the human mind in a way to bring God closer. As I said in the last two podcasts, God is in each of us. It's taken 2,000 years to reassess and reimagine the legacy of Christ and Mary Magdalene. As sure as Jesus was a revolutionary, it's my assessment that Mary was a revolutionary too. Mary of Magdala was a devoted apostle, as sure as Peter failed to be. Creativity requires ultimate power, equality to imagine your mind's ideas in concrete form. Ancient tales of antiquity placed women below men, with organized religion elevating women as mothers, but not equals in power. This may be hard to grasp, but women's inability to keep pace with men's equality began with these religious stories 2,000 years ago. With religions placing men as the conduit to God and women forbidden to stand equal beside them and talk to God herself, ourselves. Easter is a holy tale about a revolutionary whose transcendence is a clue to the power of human vision, calling, and choice. This year it falls on the Libra full moon, a supermoon. This is the first full moon of the astrological new year. It's spring, a time of rebirth. Consider what no longer serves you and try to let go. It's your decision, but the timing of Easter and the full moon sets us all up for rebirth. A new place to begin again. My name is Taylor Marsh, and this is Astral Soul Lightning. My website is taylormarsh.com. I'm all over social media. Until next time.